We talk health and wellness now, and we are putting the spotlight on breast cancer treatment. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, there were improvements in molecular genetic technologies, and these improvements led to the development of gene expression profiling tests. These tests uh, provide specialists an indication of the gene profile of an individual person's tumor. And then from there, they're able to put together a treatment program based on the profile of that tumor, the genetic profile of that tumor. So joining us on the line is Professor Justus um, uh, Apfel-Stad, who is the head of uh, breast, the breast clinic at Tigerberg Hospital. And this is in association with, uh, uh, and he's also rather an associate professor of surgery at the University of uh, Stellenbosch. And we're just looking at these new developments and the work that's been going on in Cape Town uh, in light of these improvements. Good afternoon, Prof. Thank you so much for joining us on a very important topic, particularly pertaining to our health. Good afternoon, Rosania. Good afternoon, listeners. Thank you very much for inviting me on the show. Yes, because breast cancer continues to, uh, we, we continue to see an increase in diagnosis. Uh, and it's great to see that there are these kind of developments when it comes to treatment that we're able to individualize and tailor care for specific patients. Please help us understand further how molecular genetic technology works and how it's improved our ability um, to, uh, uh, to, to, to have better indications around cancer prognosis. Uh, previously, um, we relied on light microscopy, and light microscopy has been around um, for the last, let's say, 400 years. And it's always intriguing to me that uh, there hasn't been anything better around mm. uh, to uh, advise us whether cancers are aggressive or not. And this has now come along because I don't think it's right uh, to judge the aggressiveness of a tumor by the way it looks like uh, in its outward appearance. Mm-hmm. Just to give the listeners an explanation or an analogy out of daily life, it's like uh, when you're walking in the street and there comes a dog and uh, you look at the dog and say, okay, the dog is that size and it has a brown coat and that's why it's not going to bite me. Mm. And that is a very wrong way of uh, doing things. But molecular genetics, in the analogy to the dog, we can look into the brain of the dog and experience what it's thinking. Does the dog signal, hmm, that looks a very appealing calf, I'm going to take a bite out of it? (laughs) Or does the dog think, oh, well, uh, there's something else to sniff around and I'm going to pass that uh, person by? Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing with molecular genetic profiling because we have to see that the spread of tumor and the metastasis, which ultimately kills a patient, right. is something that is a biological phenomenon and is not something that we uh, can see from other depends. We must look at the processes in mm. the tumor that are activated. So do we know, do we, do we know yeah. what, what makes a, a tumor uh, more aggressive? than, say, in me, and what makes Very it more aggressive so. in you? Mm. Yes. You know, we can look, for example, whether the genes are activa- activated in the tumor that code for the migration of tumor cells through tissue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a tumor where the tumor cells have the capability to move through tissue 
and get the blood vessels is much more aggressive in its biological behavior than a tumor which has not yet got this property. Right. And there are other things that we look at, like, for example, uh, if tumor cells are able to survive in the circulation, because that, for that you need also certain genes. Mm-hmm. But the tumor cells uh, have the capability to chew through blood vessels mm-hmm. in order to enter the bloodstream and disseminate to faraway organs. So this is highly interesting. But not only is this important for the prognosis of the patient, because a more aggressive tumor will require more aggressive treatment. Yes. But also what intrigues me personally actually most is now we can identify therapeutic targets mm. where we can target the specific processes in the tumor and switch them off. Wow. Wow. All with this uh, uh, this new technology, molecular genetic technologies that help us to profile the tumor. Is it related when we say someone is at a particular stage? Uh, is there a relationship with that or is that also very separate? It is only partially separate mm-hmm. because what we have come, uh, there was a very important trial uh, published last year, uh, the so-called MindEck trial. And what it taught us is that uh, tumor load, the volume of the tumor is indeed important. But it is in um, a certain inverse sense important. Mm. Let me explain that to you. If we get small tumors that are aggressive, this doesn't mean much for the patient's prognosis. That is still, these tumors are small, they don't want to do much damage. This Mm. is what we learned. Mm-hmm. And conversely, we have learned that there are big tumors that have a non-aggressive profile that we normally would treat with chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And if they have a non-aggressive profile, then we can save ourselves the chemotherapy because the patient will not benefit from it. Right. Well, well, and that to me is very exciting. We could show that we can save about a third to half of our patients the dreaded chemotherapy. Right. I want us to take a closer look at what's been happening at um, this uh, breast cancer center in Cape Town. Because over the past 10 years, over the past decades, they've been documenting the clinical progress of 150 patients who've been diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, but this technology or these patients have undergone molecular genetic profiling of, of their breast tumors. But first, let's take this call. James is calling from Centurion. Good afternoon, James. Hi, Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I'd like to ask the professor, I spoke to a very well-known and respected uh, oncologist not too long ago, mm. and he's very much of the opinion, and, and, he's, very, and he's, he's quite adamant about that the uh, reason for large insurgents in breast cancer worldwide is due to the fact that a lot of our dairy has got the hormones in it, especially beef uh, that's hormone-induced, and also a lot of our junk foods, the beef that we eat, uh, has got hormones in it, and he's of opinion that's uh, the, the, one of the main reasons why they say a large insurgent suddenly in breast cancer. I'd like to find out from Professor. Mm-hmm. Does he agree? I mean, our colleagues, I'm not going to argue with him because he sits with the patient. So yeah, yeah. I'd like to find out from Professor, does he agree? And if so, well, we've got a problem then, don't we? Right. Professor. Uh, Thank you. You can listen on the radio, James. I will do so. Thank you, Azania. Thanks a lot. So what do you think, Professor? Um, We have a large extent of environmental exposures, and uh, that's not only hormones in beef uh, or in uh, 
chicken or whatever. It's also uh, the plastics that we are each and every day in contact with uh, and uh, still other environmental exposures. Mm-hmm. But what it pales in comparison to is what we are exposing ourselves for. Just to give you an idea, if we give women postmenopausal hormonal replacement therapy, which is kind of uh, what the listeners spoke about, then uh, we will minimally increase the breast cancer risk for certain times of hormonal exposure because uh, it's very difficult to pick this apart because some of the hormones that we are exposed to in the environment also have a positive effect on breast cancer uh, mm. genesis. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this is a minor effect. Mm-hmm. That is, if we give certain types of hormonal uh, replacement therapy to women that are known to cause breast cancer, then the breast cancer risk increases by 3%, mm-hmm. which is absolutely minimal. Mm-hmm. However, if a woman is obese, that means overweight, then she changes her internal hormonal environment to an extent which external hormones and the external environmental exposure never can. And the breast cancer risk increases by 50%. Mm -hmm. We're seeing an avalanche of obesity in South Africa. And I can't remember what the exact figures was, but I think it's two thirds of uh, South Africans are overweight. Mm -hmm. And it is this that is responsible for the um, increase in breast cancer that we're seeing. Yes, along with other factors, as you said, that we there is this great exposure yeah. to, to so yeah. many other things in our environment. Now, let's take a closer look because uh, this technology allows, as you said, you've given quite a great explanation about what it allows us to know about the character uh, of the tumor. Mm-hmm. So there's been these 150 patients who've been diagnosed with breast cancer. They've undergone molecular genetic profiling of their breast tumor. What has what this revealed, especially when it comes to uh, treatment and the approach to treatment? Yeah, uh, we based treatment decisions uh, since 2006 on molecular uh, genetic profiling. So we have now 11 years of follow-up. And what we have seen that is that recurrences were virtually limited to those who had aggressive tumors. Mm-hmm. And those were also fewer. And I'll come in a side aspect to that just now. But the main point was that we could omit uh, chemotherapy in about 40% of patients and safely so. Mm -hmm. Patients that we normally would have given chemotherapy, we have not given them chemotherapy, they didn't have an increased recurrence rate. So this is actually one of the biggest advantages. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing that we found out, those patients who had aggressive profiling and when we then gave chemotherapy, they did actually also very well in the long term. So we have got here the second important part. Not only did we identify those women who would um, probably have a higher risk of recurrence, but also at the same time, this was highly predictive that these women would also benefit from the more aggressive treatment because it doesn't help you when you realize that a patient's got a poor prognosis and you can't do anything about it. And this molecular genetic profiling has allowed us to actually select the women who will benefit from chemotherapy so that the women actually know 
okay, I've got a high risk and I will benefit if I undergo this grueling treatment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, the convention initially was that oncologists would be inclined to uh, include chemotherapy and this says that certain tumors do not require chemotherapy. Yes. And in those ones, there's also a lesser chance of uh, the tumor coming back. Exactly. Hmm. It has changed the, uh, I think uh, to a large extent in breast cancer, it's changed the oncologic landscape. And many women now can uh, safely omit chemotherapy. Hmm. And then what kind of treatments are we relying on? uh, As you say that this allows us to tailor and have an individual treatment approach. Yes, for local treatment, there is usually surgery and with or without radiotherapy. Right. That has been so, this has not been changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we then rely on is that um, women uh, get hormonal treatment, which in itself can also be quite arduous and uh, have quite a few side effects. Yeah. And this will then give the women a very low recurrence rate. Mm. Low recurrence rate of about um, 5% at five years plus is in the MINDEC uh, trial, which means uh, that uh, 19 out of 20 women will survive without any further problems. Right. Wow. Um, we're joined by the head of uh, the breast clinic at Tigerberg Hospital and also associate professor of surgery at the University of Stellenbosch. That's Professor Justus um, Apfelstad. And we're talking about really the improvements, the technological improvements that we saw in molecular genetic technologies and the impacts that it's having on uh, treatment of breast cancer. We'll take your questions on breast cancer, uh, what you've heard around these new developments in treatment. Um, uh, maybe you've undergone a similar approach um, and what did that do? Was there a different kind of approach that you experienced uh, and the cancer prognosis that you received? It's 011-8830702 and 31702 for your SMSs. Joined by uh, Professor Justus uh, Apfelstad, the head of uh, the Breast Cancer Clinic at Tigerberg Hospital, an associate professor of surgery at the University of Stellenbosch, and we're looking at the, uh, a more individualized approach to to uh, breast cancer prognosis and treatment thanks to improvements in molecular genetic technology. And great work has been going on in Cape Town at a breast cancer center, which has been tracking and following women and providing uh, um, tr- help with uh, treatment for 150 patients diagnosed with breast cancer who've undergone molecular genetic profiling of breast tumors. So we're learning a lot about what kind of approach needs to be considered based on the nature, the character of the tumor. Now, uh, Prof, how accessible is this? I'm, I've got an SMS here um, from Gladys wondering whether or not this can be, this is accessible to oncologists in different parts of the country. Yes. Um, I was the first and the only one in this country for about 10 years, but for the last two years, uh, other um, oncologists and surgeons are coming on board and currently it is accepted and paid for finally. Finally, I have to say that uh, by medical aids like Discovery and um, um, uh, still others. Mm -hmm. However, the acceptance, like in any uh, new and really um, changing 
a new medical approach, uh, it takes a while. And um, there are still people who are resisting it in the funding industry and also, I must unfortunately say, amongst colleagues. But in due course, uh, more and more people will have access to this type of technology. Mm-hmm. And currently, it's also very expensive. It's about uh, currently 30,000 rand mm-hmm. for this test. Mm-hmm. But I expect that price to come down rapidly because um, it's a measure of volume. And in uh, molecular genetics, uh, as soon as you get volume, the prices come down very mm-hmm. significantly. Mm. But it will take another year, two or three uh, before we have that and before we have generalized acceptance. Yes. Well, we are, of course, stepping into an age where uh, there is this increase in interest and development around very unique and individual tailored, uh, individually tailored uh, medical health care. But we're also seeing this proliferation of DNA tests, DNA tests that uh, can tell us all sorts of things about our diet, uh, about our hormones, about our risks for heart attacks and, 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 and so on. Would, does this fall within that? kind of category because those are largely seen as prevention tools that will help us to make informed choices. Yes, uh, it falls into this category of, of burgeoning genetic tests that tell us more about ourselves and about our diseases that uh, we are going to get. Mm-hmm. However, in this particular instance, we test a particular tumor. Mm-hmm. And so this has not got to do with predisposition. It doesn't tell us anything about our lifestyle. Yes. It tells us something about uh, the tumor as such. All right. There's a question from Patrick. He says, I had neurofibroma, uh, neurofibroma rather, uh, removed from my breast. Is it a form of cancer as well, he wonders? No, a neurofibroma is a tumor of the nerve sheaths and it's usually as benign. Otherwise, it would be a neurofibrosarcoma. Neurofibromas are relatively rare and uh, occur commonly in the context of a uh, disease called neurofibromatosis, which Mm -hmm. is, once again, a genetic disease that we can test for. Right. And then Felicity says, uh, please ask the professor about the risk of mammograms versus exposure to x-ray. Lately, research suggests if one is not high risk, um, then uh, it's no to annual checkups. And some doctors seem to feel that mammograms are more applicable at a certain age uh, uh, versus uh, uh, other kinds of tests. One must be um, very clear about this. Um, The uh, x-ray exposure in a mammogram with the modern mammography machine is about uh, the same as walking 30 minutes in South African sunshine. So this is a negligible amount of radiation. And we have done research for it earlier, and we are freshening up this research to see uh, what in our individual practice the... um, effect is on the survival if you come regularly for screening Mm -hmm. and your cancer is detected at mammographic screening versus you wait till uh, the cancer becomes uh, symptomatic that means you can feel a lump and we know this from preliminary research uh, that about 30 percent of women uh, who come with a lump will have a um, recurrence within 10 years despite the best treatment whereas only about uh, the half of that uh, whose uh, cancer is detected at uh, mammographic screening. Furthermore, there is a big saving in chemotherapy, radiotherapy, biologicals, 
So uh, for me, it's no contest. If you are conscious about your health, then yes. from age 40 onwards, I would go mammogram. for regular screening mammograms. Fantastic. Thank and you. that is my personal opinion. Yes. Well, thank you very much. It was wonderful to, to hear about these advances in our battle uh, with breast cancer. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show and goodbye listeners. That's Professor Justus Apfelstad, the head of breast of uh, the Breast Cancer Clinic at Tigerberg Hospital.